0: chapter 2, verse 1. It's on the screen. It reads like this. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in the lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Father, we thank you so much for your word today, and I pray that you would speak to us, give us ears to hear and a heart to understand everything that you've done and said through your word. But Lord, let it be new revelation to us. The ancient words of your text, may it come alive to us in a fresh way today. We thank you for it, and it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Well, I'm glad that you're here this morning, and we're excited about what God is doing. And as I mentioned a moment ago, um, we're going to finish up our series today entitled Digging Deep as we're looking at how to solidify our life in the Word of God, how to get our spiritual disciplines. We've talked about community. We've talked about the importance of us living in fellowship with one another. We've looked at prayer and how prayer should be approached from the fact that God is our Father and that when we pray to God, we're joining in the... um unity of our family because Jesus said when you pray this way pray our Father who is in heaven acknowledging the goodness of God and his ability to help us and hear us in the times of our trouble and so uh, I encourage you to get deeper rooted in your prayer life last week we looked at the importance of the word of God and digging deep in the scripture learning the context of the scripture how Scripture was written as a letter to us. And so it's important for us to understand it in the framework in which we have been uh, given it how many of you know that if your wife or your husband or maybe your grandparents right were about to pass away and they before they before they died they knew they were about to die they wrote you a very special letter right a very special letter sharing their heart okay and they gave it to you a week before they died and they said don't don't read this until i pass away How many of you know you would not open that letter and read a line or two at a time? Because, you know, you might get a few thoughts, but you don't get the totality of what they were trying to say. Well, the verses in in the Scripture and the chapter headings are put there for study references, but they were never meant to be stopping points. We need to read the thought in the Scripture so that we don't end up being a heretic. Hello, somebody. Because you know what a heretic does? They take things out of context, make the Bible say what it really wasn't meant to say. And so we need to dig deeper in the Word of God and be able to solidify our life in that fashion. But this morning, I want to end this train on a very different note today. And I hope it makes sense to you in just a moment. But I want to finish this series up with a message that I've entitled, Finding True Joy. Somebody say that with me. Finding true joy. You know, I I believe that God wants His people to find joy. I believe it so much that it is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit comes into a Christian's life, joy and peace are some of those attributes that God implants within our hearts. And Christians are not supposed to be sour-faced. They're not supposed to be critical. They're not supposed to be despondent or cast down all the time. But God's people ought to be some of the most happy people. And joyous people on the face of the planet. Amen. And so, this morning, I want to give you some things that I believe will help us emulate true joy. Now, I saw this in real life over the last two weeks, and I want to share with you a little bit about what happened um, on my way to Kenya this year. So, we, we got there, and we got around the luggage carousel. It was about 11, uh, 11 p.m. at night, and we're waiting on my luggage, and the luggage did not get there, unfortunately. Unfortunately. I don't know if you've ever traveled, whether or not intercontinental or international, and you've lost a piece of luggage. It is extremely frustrating, especially because it had all of my clothes in it. Now, I know what you're asking. You're asking, Pastor Brad, how come you didn't carry clothes in your carry-on? Well, that, that's a very good question. And the reason for that is it had all of our school stuff in it. It had books and and, and syllabuses and folders and things that I knew I couldn't replace. And so I took a a, a chance of losing everything, knowing that if I lost everything, I could buy a few pairs of clothes until I got, got what I needed. So anyway, we get there, and nothing is there. So we go to the airport desk, and we tell them that we have lost baggage, and we fill out all of this information, what was in it, what does it look like, what kind of suitcase was it, all types of information. And they said, okay, when we locate this, we will bring it to you wherever you are. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, whatever. And so anyway, we were going to be staying in the Capitol for a few days because we had executive meetings. And so uh, we uh, basically gave them the address of the hotel we were going to be at and Wednesday came and Wednesday went and Thursday came and Thursday went and Friday came and it almost went until I kept calling the airport see they had given me a tag number and a reference number and I kept calling the airport trying to figure out where was my luggage but nobody was answering the phone I mean from 8 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon nobody was answering the phone And so I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting, you know, antsy because, you know, airplanes make you a little funky. Hello, somebody. I don't know if you know that or not, but uh, I had already gone through the couple pairs of shorts and T-shirts that I had in my bag, and I was down to the wire. And that night, we had a a meeting, a very important meeting, with our uh, uh, general treasurer, Pastor Steve Correa, who preached here a couple months ago back in, I think it was March or April. But uh, we had a meeting with him and a couple of our teachers for our Bible school there. And uh, I needed to be fresh, I didn't need to be funky especially airplane funky. Everybody's airplane funky when you've been on a plane for 21 hours. And so anyway, I said, well, I'm going to go to this little store over here and I'm going to buy some more, you know, some more briefs and I'm going to buy a couple shirts and whatever. I just want to tell you something. My feelings were really humbled. I'm going to tell you why. Because a Kenya large is not the same as a USA large a Kenya large is like a Chinese large and if you're Chinese I don't mean to offend you today but your brother needed a a double x hello somebody and it really messed with my self-esteem so I bought something and it didn't fit and I looked like I've been shopping at baby gap but I I deflect and so it was a real frustrating time and so anyway, I finally got enough to scrap me by. We had our little meeting that night. And Pastor Korea and, and uh, our teacher, they, they left and they said, well, we'll see you guys later. We wish you well. And so I go back to my room and I go to the front desk and I say, is the bag there yet? And they say, no, it's not there. So uh, my partner's not feeling well. He struggled really with his health while he was there and appreciate everybody who prayed for him. But um, anyway, um, I just decided that if I'm going to get this bag back, I'm going to have to go to the airport and get it myself. Now, I'm in a city of millions of people that is not um, not really safe for a foreigner to be in at night by himself when he can't speak their native language. And so I called the guy that was driving us everywhere and said, hey, would you mind taking me to the airport? He said, I can't because I'm out of town. I had to go do something. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to get an Uber. And that was even scarier because, you know, it's just a really scary situation. And, uh, and so all of a sudden my phone rang. It was Pastor Korea. He said, he said, Pastor Brad, have you received your bag from the airport? I said, no, sir, I have not. I said, I was just getting ready to go get an Uber. And I was going to uh, try to go and see what I could find out. At this point, it's like pushing 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to turn around and we're going to come get you. And so this man was almost home. And he turned around, and he came and picked me up. Now, the thing that's interesting is, is that this place was a drought, much like we experience in northwest Oklahoma uh, a lot of times when we're in danger of all the fires. But at this time, it was torrential flood. And there were rivers literally in the street of the capital. It was terrible. They had not seen anything like it in a very, very long time. And so he picked me up, and while we're driving, he says, I'm going to call this number and i said okay who are you calling he said i have a friend who works at the airport and i'm like great it's great to have friends who work at the airport and so he calls this guy and he starts speaking in swahili and all of a sudden he says we've located your bag we're going to go to the security office and we're going to pick it up and i'm like well praise the lord and i said but who did you call he said i called the director of vip services now i said now hold on a minute i know i'm not that important he said, no, but my friend is the director of VIP services at, at, at Jomo Kenyatta International Airport. His job is to take care of all of the high-profile people who fly into our airport. He's like, so when your president has come to Kenya, he's been the man who's transported him, all of the dignitaries of the world that come through our airport. This guy's in charge, and he went and secured your bag. So I was like, praise the Lord. So we got there, right, and it is raining like crazy. So we end up going through and, uh, and looking for this office. They said, when you get here, you need to find the security office. Well, our driver dropped us off, and he went parked in the parking lot. It's pouring down rain. And lo and behold, the security office that we were dropped off at was not the security office we were supposed to go to. Go figure. And so it's raining outside. It, people are driving like lunatics, and so all of a sudden, he makes another phone call. We figure out where we're going. The guy says, I need to give you a, pa- you need to give me your passport, and I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm going to give you a security clearance to go in and get your bag. And so we had to jog like a mile down the road what it felt like, and go into this office, identify my suitcase, and grabbed it. Now, we started walking out of the door. Now, I know some of you are wondering where I'm going with this, but this, this truly blessed my heart. I am walking with one of the, as far as the kingdom of God goes and the assemblies of God go, the, the man who's the second in charge in the whole nation. Uh, in fact, um, it's really project, uh, pro- projected that he'll probably be the general superintendent next. We don't know, but that's probably going to happen. He is like the big dog, right? I feel like a, a weenie in a steakhouse, Next to this guy. I feel like I don't even deserve to be here. You know, this guy is the man. And we, we, I grab my suitcase, and I'm walking, and all of a sudden, he's got a big smile on his face. He grabs my suitcase. It's raining. He's in, a, he's in trousers and like a blazer. You know, he had just come from a business meeting. And, and he's looking at me with a big smile, and he says, in my country— our, our guests are not allowed to carry their own bags. And I'm like, I don't mind. I don't mind. And he looked at me again. He said, "Especially in the rain." And you know, we walked 2 hours in the rain, and I'm feeling about this high, but guess what? His culture was to serve. It didn't matter his title, it didn't matter his prominence or who he had sat with. His position was to be a servant, and he did it with joy on his face. I want to tell you how to have, find joy and dig deeper in your Christian life. If you truly want to learn how to find joy, you have to learn how to serve other people. Hello, somebody. You got to learn how to serve other people. Jesus gives us the ultimate model for this type of ministry. And Paul begins to deal with this in Philippians chapter 2. Go back with me and let's read this passage together. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. Paul said that if there is any consolation in Christ. If any comfort of love. If any fellowship of the spirit. If any affection and mercy fulfill my joy for being like-minded. Having the same love. Being of one accord of one mind. Notice this. Let nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in the lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not for his own interests, but for the interests of others. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made of himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death Of the cross. See, in our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul is challenging the church at Philippi to learn the character of Christ. The, the the fact of Paul makes a statement, you know, in another epistle, another letter to another church, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul said, if you want a good example of following somebody, he said, I know Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but if you want a good example, Paul makes a disclaimer here. He says, Follow me. As I follow Christ. In other words, we're to follow the example of our leaders as long as they're following Jesus. But Paul says, Follow me as I follow Christ. And the thing can be said there if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. But Paul is seeking to explain to them what it means to live a laid down life. And if you want to know if anybody in the Bible lived a life that he laid down for others, it was Jesus. Jesus was our prime example. Jesus was our prime example. Jesus was the very first missionary ever. How do I say that? Because he left heaven where there was no need for a missionary. And he came down to earth where all of humanity was lost and needed a savior. He left the culture of heaven, which 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 says, though he was rich, though for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. He left the streets of gold to be born down in a manger where the animals were, where people were gathered together. He got in the middle of the mess of humanity and served. He was the king of kings. He never ceased to be the king of kings. Listen, it's one thing to be a king, but it's another thing to be the king of kings. And Jesus never ceased to be king. But yet when he came to the earth, he didn't come and say, okay, boys, shine my shoes and get my throne and my, and my crown and let's get to business. That's what they wanted him to do. But that's not what he did. The Bible says the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come saying wash my feet. He came saying let me wash my disciples feet because I want to show you what it's like to lay down your life and give your life for other people. Now this morning I've told you I want to show you a key to to find true joy. And if you'll listen with your spiritual ears today, I believe that you'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And here's the key to joy: the key to joy is serving others. Now, let me give you a nugget of insight today. The reason why some of you are so depressed, the reason why some of you are so critical, the reason why some of you are so cast down is because you focus on yourself too much and you don't focus so much on other people. I want you to know when you get your eyes on Jesus and you get your eyes on other people you've got less time to have a pity party with yourself and if you want to have joy the true joy that comes from following Jesus we have to learn to put other people before our own self are you with me this morning oh this is going to get fun I can promise you Paul is telling them to follow the example of Christ to imitate his humility Yet even though he was divine, despite the fact, he humbled himself to serve humanity. Jesus made himself low. Now isn't it interesting that we live in a society today that is all about getting ourselves ahead. Building a bigger platform. Building a bigger name for ourselves. But Jesus, this is what he said. He said, if a man will humble himself, then God will exalt him. But if a man exalts himself, God will humble him, because God exalts the hum the the he gives grace to the humble, but the proud he pulls down. Jesus said, woe unto them who want the high seats, the prominent seats, who get to the front of the line, those who take the best seat at the banquet. Jesus said, no, it's better for you to take a lower seat and you be invited to the front of the table lest you be asked to move to the back of the line and be embarrassed. That's my paraphrase today. The Bible is all about humility. If you want to get high in the kingdom of God, and I know we live in 2024, so when you talk about do you want to get high in the kingdom of God, I need to let you know I'm not talking about merit, medical marijuana. Hello. Um, When I say you want to get high in the kingdom of God, you got to learn how to get low as a servant. You got to be willing to scrub some toilets and wash some feet and cut some grass. Hello. You got to be willing to to do what nobody else wants to do. Got to get low in the kingdom of God to find that true joy. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus did that. We're going to see that in a moment, but This morning, this acronym I didn't come up with, but it's true. Don't know where I heard it the first time, but my thoughts today from our text come from an acronym. And if you want to write those down, I want you to write out the letters for joy, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. And here's what I want to tell you. The first thing is this, to find true joy, to find true joy, you must put Jesus first. To find true joy, you must put Jesus first. Jesus is the J in joy. You've got to put Jesus first. Paul tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. We got to realize Jesus was the ultimate example of serving other people. We got to put him first. We got to look to him. If you want a model, you've got to look at Jesus. See, there are a lot of people that want Jesus to use them, but they want Jesus to use them on their own accord. There are a lot of people who want Jesus to make something great of them, but they only want to do it at their availability, when their calendar says available. Lord, I I can serve you, Lord, but I'll serve you on Monday for three hours, and I can serve you on Friday for two hours, but that's about all I can give you. But I want you to examine the life of Jesus and putting Jesus first. And I want you to look at his life. Jesus' life, the bulk majority of the miracles and the ministry that Jesus did in his life were interruptions. Interruptions. He was going to pray. Interrupted. He was taking a nap. Interrupted. He was going to heal somebody else. Interrupted. See, Jesus, if we're really going to focus on what it means to, to put Jesus first in finding joy, we're going to have to look at his life and realize he's the example. Sometimes we're going to have to inconvenience ourselves to be able to serve other people. Amen? Sometimes that means saying no to me and yes to he. Sometimes it means say no to me and yes to he, being Jesus. we got to put him at the front of our focus. Then, if we're going to put Jesus first, we've got to surrender our will to the lordship of Christ. Jesus did this. See, a lot of us are like, Lord, we'll serve you, but we don't want it to be inconvenient." Lord, we'll serve you, but we don't want it to hurt. Lord, we will serve you, but we don't want it to cost us anything. Reminds you that when David was on the threshing floor of Onan and he had to make a sacrifice for his atonement, for his sin, he was given a couple of different scenarios. And I love what David said after Onan said, No, King David, I'll give you the threshing floor. I'll give you the animals. I'll give you the tools. David said, No, no, I cannot... Take it without buying it because I cannot offer the Lord that thing that cost me nothing. It's going to be a sacrifice for us to consider what it means to surrender our will to the Lordship of Christ. Did Jesus do this? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. One of the most ultimate examples of this was just hours before his crucifixion. Jesus found himself in a garden called Gethsemane. Jesus had gathered some of his disciples and he'd asked them to pray with him and they would fall asleep. The Bible said he became under great agony, so much to the point that the capillaries under his skin began to burst and blood began to weep through his pores, much like sweat. The Bible says he began to sweat great drops of blood. And as he was praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was showing us what it looks like when humanity wrestles with deity. Jesus, the man, was wrestling with Jesus, the Son of God. And he's praying to the Father. And he's, here's what he says. He said, Lord, if there's any other way we can do this, please let this cup pass from me. Jesus knew the pain of the cross, He knew the pain of bearing the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders. But even under the stress, even under the strain, even under the struggle, what did Jesus do? He said, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Listen, we got to take the mindset of Jesus that we must surrender our will to the Lordship of Christ. What is our will? Uh, our, our will is our, our, our fortitude. It is our determination to do something. And, you know, oftentimes in life, our will is at a fight against God's will. Paul said, there's a war that, that wrestles within the members of my body, my spirit, and my flesh. They're constantly fighting against each other. He said, the the flesh lusts against the things of the flesh, and the spirit, the things against the spirit. The things that I should do, I don't do, and the things that I shouldn't do, well, those I do. He said, there's a war, but guess what the Bible teaches us? If we're going to have joy in our lives, we've got to learn to put Jesus first. All of us should come to the resignation in our lives. Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. And church, I got got a question for all of us today. How much more joy would we have in our lives? Think about it. If we woke up every morning. Now, this is not a pastor question, an evangelist question. It's just a Christian question. How much more would our lives be happy, I mean truly happy, if we woke up and we said, Lord, today I'm dying to my will. What do you want me to do? Man, that's awesome. Lord, what do you want me to do? And so next, we've got to seek to align our thoughts and our words and our actions with His. That's why Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We've got to learn to think the thoughts of God, the words that God speaks. We need to speak them. His actions, we need to emulate. Why is this something we've got to strive to do? Here's, here's the reason. Are you ready? Because they don't come naturally. Do you know, as human beings, we are the most, some of the most selfish creatures on the entire planet. That's why we've done so good in history. It's been the survival of the fittest. Inventions and things of that nature, they're developed because of the resiliency of man. We are so intuitive, but we're also so self-preserving. And So it doesn't come natural even to put Jesus first in our lives. And so guess what we have to do? We've got to learn to put him first. And the way that we can do that, one way, is to look at how he put the Father's will first in his life. So to find true joy, number one, we got to put Jesus first. Here's the second thing. Are you ready? We're going to find true joy. You must, you ready, put others second. You got to put Jesus first. And others second. What that means is we've got to cultivate compassion and empathy for others. Listen, this is so counterintuitive to what we were, how we were hardwired when we were born. We all look out for our own interests. We all look out for our own reputation. We all look out for our own livelihood. But the Bible says that we've got to learn to put others before our own selves. Look at what Paul uh, tells the church at Philippi right here. Uh, Verse number 3, he says, Let nothing be done with selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem others better better than himself. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. The Bible says we're supposed to look after the interest of other people. As believers... If we want to find a place of true joy, which will indeed cause us to dig deeper in our walk with God, we've got to learn to put other people's needs before ourselves. Now, what does that look like? It looks like looking for an opportunity to serve others. Jesus came into this world to serve. That's what he did. He humbled himself. Rather than putting on a a crown and a robe and sitting upon a throne, He found himself with a servant's towel and a carpenter's robe, and he served other people. Jesus served the less fortunate, those who were down and out, those who were broken, those who were bruised, those whose society had pushed aside. Those were the people that Jesus found himself dealing with on a consistent basis. The woman at the well, Jesus was attracted uh, to her in the spiritual sense of he knew she was looking for something. She wasn't... um The cream of the crop in society. She was a woman. She was in Samaria. There was a woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus was drawn to this woman and her deliverance. There's the man at Gadara who needed to be set free from demons. and It was a man with a withered hand who Jesus could have just passed on by, but he knew that this man needed a miracle. Uh, there was the, uh, the woman who was having a, a funeral procession and they were weeping and mourning, but Jesus touched the casket and the dead person came back to life. It, it's Peter's mother-in-law who, you know, Jesus uh, spoke to the fever and, and, and she was raised back up and God did great things in her life. Listen, Jesus was drawn to serve other people. But can I be honest with you this morning, church? Much of Western Christianity, now hear me loud and clear, it's not an indictment against First Assembly, it's just true across the board. The majority of Western Christianity is built upon consumerism, not servanthood. So many people, I'm going to deal with inside and outside in just a moment, but more people today come to church or don't come to church based on what's in it for me. What kind of kids ministry do they have? What kind of worship music do they have? What kind of classes do they have? Do they have this? Do they have that? And listen, I'm not saying it's wrong for us not to meet the felt needs of people, but if you are coming to a church Only based on what you can get rather than what you can give, you are in the wrong mindset. Because listen to me, God may want you to attend a church that doesn't have a good kids ministry because he might want to use your gifts to help start one. God may want to use you to start a worship team where they don't have one. God may want to use you to start some ministry that they don't have. But if we only show up to places and rooms that only benefit us... We're nothing more than a consumer. And God doesn't want us to have the mindset of a consumer. He wants us to have the mindset of a servant. Because the true Christian life, we actually receive when we give. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to have your hand out. Because it's when we give, God pours back into us. I hear people all the time talking about getting wore out, getting burned out. Listen, if you're in the flesh, yes. But if you're in the spirit, the Bible tells us that when we we give, we receive. We find great joy in helping other people. We look for opportunities to serve, not just in the church, but outside the church. See, this mentality is not just uh, inside the church during service time, but it's just in your everyday life. Do you look for opportunities to help people? Have you ever seen somebody struggling to find something in Walmart and you knew what they were looking for? And you could point them right in the right direction, but you were busy and you said, that's not my job. Just an illustration. It may not have happened to anybody, but... There ever been something that you could help somebody with or help somebody through, but yet you chose not to because of inconvenience or because of trouble or whatever it might be? Or Here's another one. We don't want people to think different about us because we're talking to this kind of person. I'm glad Jesus didn't think that when he helped the prostitute. I'm glad Jesus didn't think that when he helped the tax collector. I'm glad Jesus didn't think that when he helped the down and out and the Samaritan and the leper. Hello, sometimes we got to realize what's on us has greater influence than what's on them. Amen. And we got to know that greater is Jesus in us than what's in the world. You can't help people if you're not willing to touch people. You got to serve others. We got to look for opportunities in the church and outside the church to serve. Here's another one. We must seek to extend forgiveness to those who hurt us, even if we feel like they don't deserve it. If we're going to put others before ourselves, Jesus first, others second. Why, why did I say that? Because our service to people cannot be predicated on our feelings towards them. These lights are bright, but are y'all are y'all tracking with me today? Our serving others cannot be predicated on our feelings towards them. Well, what what, what do you mean there, Pastor? Well, let let me just tell you something. Uh, Jesus had some people say mean things to him. Paul had people imprison him. Uh, People in in the New Testament had people beat them with whips and chains. And yet, after they took their beating, they got back up and kept preaching to the people that were mean to them. Listen, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus was our perfect example of how we should treat other people, and we can't stop serving others just because somebody that we've gotten upset with them. Now, here's the thing. The Bible says, don't, don't esteem other people's things more than your own. We got to look out for other people's interest. Sometimes we need to learn to give people. The benefit of the doubt. And I just feel so inclined to stop and insert this here today. You know, somebody may have been short with you. Somebody may have even been upset at you. But I I do want you to know that it's entirely possible that you're not the reason that they're upset. You could just be the outlet at the moment. And I'm not giving them an excuse to treat you poorly. But what I am telling you, is we we need to learn to have a little empathy towards people at times and maybe the Lord will show us the reason for their outburst and then we can help them because, you know, maybe they came from a stressful time at their job or maybe they just got in a fight with their spouse or maybe something like that. So you may be the brunt of their trouble, but yet at the same time, you you take the full force of it. Jesus forgave other people. Hold on, this one's good. He made a choice to forgive them before they ever committed the trespass. If you want to know how not to walk in offense, learn to say, you know what? I'm just not going to let that attach itself to me. Listen, that doesn't mean you have to stay in an abusive relationship. It doesn't mean you have to stay BFFs or anything like that. But it does mean you don't have to be offended. It does mean you don't have to hold people captive. you got to learn to put others second to yourself by looking past your feelings and saying, I'm going to minister to them no matter what. you got to put Jesus first, others second. Here's the third thing. I hope you know where I'm going here. Jesus first. Others, second. But to find true joy, you ready? You got to put yourself last. You got to put yourself last. This is hard for us because we tend to exalt our own feelings, our own wants, our own desires. The Bible says that we must not think more highly of ourselves than we ought we ought not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. I can't even tell you how much it blessed me to see that man of God carry my suitcase in the rain with a smile. Now, I felt bad on the inside because, I, listen, I don't need anybody to carry anything for me. I can carry it myself. But number one, I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't going to um, insult his culture. And number two, um, I wasn't going to let him lose his reward. And, I mean, I was in the rain too, but he was dragging that suitcase like it wasn't anybody's business. And you know what he was doing? He was putting himself last. You know why God can use people like that? Because God has difficulty filling people who are too full of themselves. That's why John, the revelator, said, I must decrease so that he can increase. You know, being full of the Holy Spirit isn't really much more about, about getting more of God as much as it is of us emptying ourselves so God can fully fill us. we got to decrease. we got to put ourselves last. we got to resist the temptation of selfish ambition and pride. And find the fulfillment in the advancement of other people and the plan of God for their lives and for our lives and all of those things. We've got to put ourselves last. I want everybody to lean in because I got something I want to share with you this morning. Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapters 4. God gives us the detail of creation of the heavens and the earth Bible says and God said and there was and God said and there was and God said and there was and and we go through all of these six days of creation and he made the lesser light and the greater light and the expanse and the firmament and you know on the sixth day he created man in his image and in his likeness and, 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 and so it was amazing it was amazing, it was amazing but here's what I want you to see here's what I want you to see God created a great big universe out there in the world In fact, it is so expansive that NASA has said that they constantly are finding new constellations and new galaxies. You know why? Because when God said, let there be light, he never said stop. The universe is still expanding. And I know that might blow some of your mind. But there's a great big universe out there. And listen, listen, don't miss this. It don't revolve around you. Sometimes we think it does. But it doesn't. We're such a speck in the middle of God's creative plan. You and I are just nothing. We ought to be happy to just be a part of God's plan of redemption in the earth. But if we're going to have joy, we got to learn to put ourselves last. Put ourselves last. Don't think too highly of ourselves. Learn to serve. Serve others. Inconvenience yourself for other people. That's how you find joy. Some of you have so much strife in your marriage. You, mean, you know, how me tell you how to, how to have joy in your marriage. Put your spouse before yourself. Well, they're not meeting my needs. Well, when I read the Bible according to marriage, you're supposed to be meeting your spouse's needs. Hello. And, and, and that's not predicated on what they do. Hello. But guess what? When you put your spouse before yourself, you're going to have a happier life. Happy, happy wife, happy life, happy spouse, happy house. Hello. Find true joy. You gotta put yourself last. If God's called you to ministry, you gotta put yourself last. You gotta build people. Jesus, though, is our example. Amen. I want you to think about this. I have another passage of scripture I want us to look at this morning. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse one through four. Many of us know the first part of this passage, but I want us to I want us to look at this. The Hebrews writer writes this, and you know, people are debated on who wrote Hebrews. I, I actually tend to believe Paul wrote Hebrews, but I won't split hairs over it. But the Hebrews writer says this, "Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily ensnare us. Watch this. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Hold it right there. Notice that. Let us run the race that is set before us. Church, can I tell you something? There's a race set before you. That race is called your life. And in that life are the purposes that God has ordained for you. You know, if I were to take you to a cemetery today, you would find out a couple things. First of all, if we were to stroll through a cemetery today, you would find out, number one, it's non-discriminatory. You'd find out those who are black die, those who are white die, those who are Chinese die. Every race of people die. It's a point man wants to die. You'd find that out. You'd also find all ages die. You'd find anything from stillbirths to people who are in their hundreds, 102, 103, 104, whatever, and everything in between. And on their tombstones are several pieces of information, right? It's the date of their birth and the date of their death. But there's another commonality in tombstones that have those particular markers. It's the dash that's in between those two dates. And that dash symbolizes your race. One day we're going to finish our race. In fact... There have been times where I've officiated funerals and I've said, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, they have finished their race. They have won their prize. But Notice what the writer here says. He says, let us run with endurance. Somebody say endurance. The race that's set before us. Why is that important? Because we're on a race, but we got to have endurance. You know why? Because it matters if you finish the race. God wants you to finish the race. And if you're going to finish the race, you can't, you can't give everything, a, 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 you know, at the very first. You've got to pace yourself to be able to break that finish line when the time comes. Go a little bit further. The race that is set before us, how do we do that? Number two, looking unto Jesus. Somebody say Jesus first. Who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice, look, 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 look. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. How is Jesus our model? Because the most painful agonizing time in his life was when he marched up Golgotha's hill and you know what the Bible said at any moment he could have called on 10,000 angels he could have called the angels and they could have taken him off that cross And, and listen he never lost his will but he surrendered it to the will of the father but notice this for with the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame They mocked him, man. They spit on him. They put inscriptions over his head that said, King of the Jews. It was a mockery. It wasn't a a, a compliment. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it'd be pretty hard to serve other people while they're spitting on you, while they're mocking you? You ever try to give a homeless person a sandwich and they throw it back at you like they did in in that one movie and say, I didn't want a sandwich, I wanted $20. You know how hard it is to keep moving forward with a smile on your face? Now, a sandwich can't compare to the pain that Jesus did on the cross, but, you know, he dealt with the shame and the rejection and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at this. For consider him. Consider him. Verse number three. Who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Why? Why do you need to consider Jesus? Why? Why? There's a question there. Why? Lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls. The Lord knows we're going to get weary in serving other people. He knows that they're going to do us wrong sometimes. He knows that sometimes they're not going to appreciate it. He knows that sometimes, you know, it's just going to make you feel horrible. But notice what he says. He says, consider Jesus, lest you become weary and discouraging your souls. And then look at verse 4. He says, for you've not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. I'm going to quote my friend here. Here's what the Hebrews writers say, I know it's painful, I know it hurts, but you better look at Jesus, I know it's rejecting at times, I know sometimes when you sacrifice your own wants and desires, that sometimes, you know, that hurts, but if I could paraphrase verse number four, let me paraphrase it for you, but did you die? But did you die? Did you hang on the cross? Did did you give your sweat and blood for the sins of humanity? The answer to that is no. And so the Hebrews writer is trying to tell us, look at Jesus if we want to have joy in our life. You know what made Jesus endure the cross? The Bible said the joy set before him. You know what that was? It was you. Was you. With prophetic eyes, when Jesus was heading to Calvary, he saw you. He knew you by name. He knew what you would become. He knew what you would do. He knew all of the attributes in your life that were so beautiful and so ugly. And yet, with the joy set before him. He endured the cross. Let me pause right here and just tell you something quickly. You know how we can press on in serving others and having joy in our lives? Not because of how they treat us. Not because of what they do or don't do for us. We can press on because one day, one day, we'll receive the prize by the faithfulness of obedience so I want to encourage you today what you're going through may not make sense right now the enemy may be doing everything he possibly can to make you discouraged he may be tempting you to quit hang up the towel but I want to challenge you today number one don't don't quit putting Jesus first And don't quit putting others second. And don't forget about putting yourself last. Now, let me let me tell you something. When I say putting yourself last, I don't mean self-neglect. I don't mean putting your family at neglect. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when it comes to your own needs and preferences in serving other people, put others first. Put others first. And watch the joy that comes from helping those whom you've touched. Would you stand on your feet?